Hey everyone, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. My name is Brian Dinabellis and this is the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast brought to you by the North Jersey Vipers Softball Club, the longest running softball program in Bergen County and one of the premier programs in all of New Jersey. Check out their website at NorthJerseyVipers.com. All right. I wasn't planning to do a podcast before Christmas, but the game at Seton Hall between the Pirates and the number five Yukon Huskies merited it. I was in the building. That place did not expect the result that happened. Okay. Seton Hall pulling off an early shocker in the Big East, knocking off the defending national champions, a top five team in their building, 75 to 60. When you put this game in perspective, UConn had manhandled every opponent they had faced over the last several months from March until December. Manhandled them. Every game they had won, 28, 29 of them, was by double digits. Just dismantling teams, embarrassing them, burying them. The only team was Kansas at Kansas. Okay, but every one of their wins was double digits. UConn had not been beaten by double digits since they lost at home at the XL Center to St. John's last January. I think it was January 18th. That's how long it had been since UConn had lost by double digits to a team. Look, every Seton Hall fan in that building, trust me, every single one of them was just hoping that Seton Hall would keep it close. They had already checked this one off as a loss. Now, I'm sure there's a Seton Hall fan out there somewhere that, that thought, hey, we can match up with this team. And this is college basketball, folks. This is what sports is all about. This is why I love this game, this conference. It is so beautiful to watch because you don't know what's going to happen. All right? Even a DePaul can and will shock somebody this year. All right? I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that DePaul will not go 0-20. Now, I'm sure people are on that opposite limb and say they will, but <laughs> I'm going to say that DePaul, even DePaul, can win three conference games this year. They're going to do it. It is so tough to win on the road in the Big East. And how about the first week? The first three days, the top three teams in the conference, top 10 teams. Marquette loses to Providence on the road. UConn loses to Seton Hall on the road. Creighton loses to Villanova at home. And we're just three days into this league. How great is that? I want to talk about this Seton Hall-UConn game from both perspectives. Let's begin with Seton Hall. Because two weeks ago, 
This season was over, according to some Seton Hall fans. But somehow, Shaheen Holloway, following that loss to Rutgers and following the benching of his starters, or most of them, against Monmouth, where the bench shined, somehow from that moment where the starters shit the bed, somehow he regrouped the players. And if you recall, after the game, King Rice, the Monmouth coach, who's been a mentor to Shaheen Holloway, went out of his way and had some words of wisdom. The mentor to the apprentice and said, Shah, don't give up on these players. They need you. Don't take, in other words, don't take the hard-ass approach, shouting and burying them. These are your guys. You have to stick with them, and you have to get them motivated. Find what gets them going. And Shaheen Holloway did just that. I'm sure those words from a man he looks up to resonated with Shaheen Holloway. Because what did he do? He told the guys, guys, we need Dylan. We need Dylan Adeyawusu. All right? Keep telling him, be positive with him. Get him going. Tell him we're on his side. Shaheen took him aside and had a private talk with him to motivate him. And Dylan Adeyawusu since that moment, has been spectacular, all right? All of the starters have. They followed it up with a brilliant win at Missouri on the road when they were underdogs again, and they were staring at an 0-4, 0-5 division of non-conference play. It was very challenging, and they had their backs against the wall, and somehow they rose up. So they win the game at Missouri, and then they come home in their Big East opener, and Seton Hall did some different things in this game. They went zone. Shaheen Holloway was asked about that after the game, and he said, our team wasn't ready to play zone beforehand. They weren't picking it up, which I really find hard to believe. I mean, zone is what you learn at a young age, but... You know, in a lot of ways, the game has changed and there's so much man-to-man out there. So so I understand where he's coming from. And they weren't ready to play zone in the, in the matchup zone. But that certainly befuddled UConn. We had been rushing Seton Hall for their defensive efforts, right? Every team seems to come in against Seton Hall and shoot well. But not in this game. Not in this game against UConn. Seton Hall came up with their best defensive performance of the season and a great offensive performance. This was their best defensive performance by far against a top five team. They held UConn to 38% from the floor and 19%, four of 21 from three. That's the ball game. And I'll get to Donovan Klingon in a second. But that's where Seton Hall won this game. They finally committed to defense, whether it was zone or man-to-man. And if you watch them when they play man, there's a lot of switching. It's an automatic switch. And there are just some, some motion offense being run by UConn. 
And if you watch some of the defensive highlights of this game, I mean, it's just like, here comes a screen, here comes a screen, switch, switch, switch. They were active on defense. They had hands in the shooter's face. They pushed the shooters out, if you noticed. There were a lot of times that UConn was late in the shot clock and they had to force up some long threes. Credit Seton Hall's defense because that is where this game was won. And if they can bottle this up and give this type of gritty, tough, defensive performance, the type of performance that we've come to know from Shaheen Holloway's teams and expect from Shaheen Holloway's teams, then this team is going to be in a lot of games and win more games than we thought they could have two weeks ago in the Big East. This is a stepping stone. This is a building block these last two games. Look across the board statistically in this game, and Seton Hall was as good or better than UConn in all the areas they needed to be. Field goal percentage, points allowed. They only allowed the Huskies to score 60 points. Free throw shooting, check. Seton Hall hit 14 of 18, 78%, which is right at their season average of 78%. They were plus one in rebounding. They had 19 offensive rebounds, and I get it. Donovan Klingon got injured, okay? So that took a lot of the steam away from UConn. But how about the fast break points? 18 to nothing? UConn is, is one of the best fast-breaking teams. That team, they have athletes up and down that roster. NBA players on that roster. And Seton Hall held them to zero fast-break points? Let that sink in. Zero fast How does that happen? Zero fast-break points. That's almost impossible for a UConn team. 18 to nothing. So there were a lot of statistics that Seton Hall held the advantage in. And one of the biggest players of this game, and there were many, from Dre Davis to Kaderi Richmond to Jaden Bediaco, Kaderi Richmond turned in one of his finest performances in a Seton Hall uniform. He always picks up his game and seems to play at his best against UConn. What, is it a matchup thing? Is it the fact that there's no great defender on UConn that can stay with him? Whatever it is, Kaderi Richmond shined. One of the best all-around games that he's had in a Seton Hall uniform. Kaderi Richmond finished with 23 points, six rebounds, five assists, and tied a Seton Hall record with eight steals. Seton Hall had 11 steals in the game. Dre Davis gives you what Dre Davis gives you. 17 points, five rebounds, just a massive effort Seton Hall's glue guy, if there ever was one, Seton Hall's just 
player that you can just count on night in and night out. Good to see Al Dawes come around and do what he's doing with 11 points. You know, I want to get back to Dylan Adeyawusu because uh, he has really come alive. In his last two games, he scored 20 points against Missouri, season high, nine points, six rebounds against UConn. The confidence is back. In those two games, he has shot 10 for 17. He shot five for nine from three. Seton Hall needs a day wusu. But we know that Kaderi Richmond drives this bus. He is the straw that stirs the drink. And afterward, here's what Shaheen Holloway and the players said about Kaderi Richmond. There's very few players that's at Kadari's caliber. You know, um, I think he's a one-on-one type of player. Um, he shoots for our team. You know, him getting downhill like that opens everything up for us. And um, it's very hard to stop him getting downhill. Like, uh, I mean, uh, it's not much you can say about that. You know, he's like I say, he's a one-on-one player. I thought a lot of his steals was in the passing lane or, you know, kind of reading because his height. But I thought we just played a solid game tonight. I think we, I don't think we did something, you know, great, special. I thought we just played solid and played within ourselves and, you know, just got a good victory. Gets a great team. On the flip side, we know that Kaderi has had some of his best moments against UConn that I alluded to, like two years ago when Kaderi single-handedly beat UConn and scored 17 straight points in an overtime thriller. Dan Hurley was asked afterward about his inability to defend Kaderi Richmond and what makes Kaderi Richmond so hard to defend. Here's what he had to say. If he sees no bodies and driving gaps and he plays in space at his size with what he can do downhill at the rim, you, you, he's, a, he's as good as there is at that size with the ball. Yeah, high, high praise from Dan Hurley. And he knows it. He knows it. His team got smacked and his team got out-hustled outcoached. He admitted so. Seton Hall turned in their finest performance of the season when they really needed it. They were down 20 to 10 in the first half. And I know fans are like, oh boy, this is headed toward 15, 20 points. But something clicked. Something clicked in this team. They never got down. I asked Dre Davis after the game. In all the games this year against Power 5 teams that they have been down double digits, they clawed back, but they were never able to get over that hump. This time, they were able to get over that hump. And he simply said it was because they never let the lead balloon on the other side. They never let the deficit grow from 10 to 20. Here's Dre. I think part of it was it's not getting down so much, you know. I think in the other games was getting down uh, like 20 points, something like that. Uh, I, you know, it's tough to come back from getting down that much. So uh, I think we did a good job of, you know, keeping it close and then kind of uh, taking control of the game and staying in control of the game. This was the first game that they believed, all right? And what you saw in this game was you saw a team that attacked. They didn't just settle for threes. Seton Hall shot a season-low eight threes. They shot and made three threes in a game, scored 75 points, 
and won by 15 against the defending national champs. That's almost impossible. They made three threes and scored 75 points in this day and age. There was a concerted effort to get to the rim, get fouls. I asked Shaheen Holloway that after the game about this strategy. Was it the strategy to go inside against UConn and not settle for so many threes? Here's what he had to say. Yeah, we just was, you know, taking what the defense was giving us. Like I told our guys, you know, that's the only then jack up shot. Playing them last year, they kind of tried to take away out last year in Jameer. So I know they're going to come out and take away three. And then, you know, they got a two-headed monster with their big guys. You know, one played deep coverage and one played, you know, they read. So I know that I wanted to attack the big guy early. Um, and then once we once Cook start playing like that, and then other guys, other guys on the team start playing like that, it just, you know, and then, you know, we just hit our free throws. And it certainly helps when you're seven foot two, potential All-American lottery pick is out of the game. Donovan Klingen sprained his ankle and left the game with 16 minutes and 31 seconds to go. Prior to that, he had 14 points and seven rebounds in 14 minutes. He was everything to UConn. And when he was out, there was no rim protector. That lane opened up like the Red Sea. UConn was a donut. They, Seton Hall attacked the glass. Kaderi Richmond attacked the glass. Dre Davis attacked the glass. Alamir Dawes attacked the glass. Isaiah Coleman, Dylan Adewusu, everyone attacked the glass. And UConn had no answer. And for the first time in a long time, what you saw was Seton Hall actually finishing at the rim, finishing and ones. Great to see Alamir Dawes transform his game over the last two days and not jack up 12, 13, 15 threes. Al Dawes needs to get to the rim. Seton Hall is transforming their games individually and as a team. They're not just settling for jump shots. They're sharing the ball, making the extra pass, trying to get in the lane, draw defenses, draw fouls, finish above the rim. They were finishing through contact, getting in ones. How many times this year have we seen Seton Hall not finish at the rim, get fouled, and then miss one or both free throws? Those are points off the board. UConn had no answers. So Al Dawes, and company are getting to the lane and getting to the rim. And it certainly helps when you don't have a seven foot two center blocking the way. All right. Cause we saw what happened with Cliff Amore and what he did against Seton Hall. So it was really a combination of everything for Seton Hall. All right. Motivated in front of their home crowd, playing the national champions a team that they were leading in the first half with Klingon on the floor. And then without Klingon, UConn had no answers and couldn't get it together enough, quickly enough. Now, I don't know if Seton Hall wins this game with Donovan Klingon still in the game, but I'll tell you what, they were still winning the game without or with Klingon on the floor. So we'll never know. 
But the fact is they won. Now, can Seton Hall follow up this emotional win, go to Xavier, a team that's going to be very hungry after losing on the road pretty handily at St. John's. Xavier will have their home opener at the Cintas Center, which is always a tough place to play, but Seton Hall historically has won games there. If Seton Hall can start this Big East season 2-0, heading into the new year, when they have to go on the road at Providence, it's a game changer. Now, 1-1 one one is what they wanted, so it would be par for the course if they were 1-1 one one in the Big East ending 2023, right? But you're 2-0 and with a road win under your belt? Game on. Game on. Let's see if they can follow up this, their best win of the Shaheen Holloway era with a road win at Xavier. Now, things could get pretty interesting in January for Seton Hall. All right, that's the Seton Hall side of things. Now for the UConn. How in the world do you not show up for the Big East opener? You had so much to play for against the Seton Hall team that has had your number. All right, you've seen the numbers out there. Since returning to the Big East, Dan Hurley is 4-4 four and four against Seton Hall. Look back at the records since UConn's rise under Jim Calhoun. All right, since about 94 to the present. And it's littered with UConn wins, dominating performances over Seton Hall. All right, the record is so one-sided, it's laughable. But since they've returned to the Big East, Hurley has lost three games on the road against Seton Hall, one in his own building when there was no fans for COVID. Four and four, including one win in the Big East tournament. Seton Hall has matchup problems for UConn, and I never thought I'd say that with so much talent on this UConn team. So no one showed up for this game other than Klingon. All right, Tristan Newton was okay, but this is a player who in the non-conference was arguably the best player in the Big East, who had picked up his game to another level that UConn needed. He was okay, 16 points, but he wasn't the Tristan Newton that we've seen. And he could not defend Kaderi Richmond and admitted so afterward. All right? Kaderi Richmond far outplayed Tristan Newton. The offense was going to Donovan Klingon. He was being worked by Jaden Bediaco. Bediaco more than held his own against Klingon. And Bediaco, I've said it here, has been one of the biggest surprises in the transfer portal that Seton Hall could have hoped for. It was so much fun to watch Klingon and Bediaco bang. And Klingon got some hoops. He got position, but boy, did he have to work for it. And Bediaco ended up with three blocks. I think at least one was on Klingon. The fact that Bediaco blocked Klingon. So Klingon was working. And 
they were banging in there. It wasn't like Klingon was dominating, but clearly he the offense was going through him. And once he left the game, UConn didn't have any answers. All right, go down the list. They all had awful games. Alex Caraban had zero points in the first half. Zero. He didn't score until there were 16 minutes left in this game. He hit a three from the corner, and then he had some points after that. But that was really about it. You cannot get that type of performance out of Alex Caravan, one of your top two or three players. Another player struggled mightily. And, boy, I have had high praise for him. I mean, he's one of the biggest transfers in the country, Cam Spencer. He's, I mean, he's one of the, I mean, he's one of the biggest transfers in the country, Cam Spencer. Seton Hall is his kryptonite. He did nothing against Seton Hall last year at, in the Rutgers game against Seton Hall at Jersey Mike's. I think he was like two for seven, two for nine. He was two for seven again on uh, Wednesday. Fouled out one for five from three. Five points. That is very un-Cam Spencer-like. He was rattled. You saw him and Kaderi Richmond go at each other. I don't know who the instigator there was, but they had to be separated. Midway through that second half. His worst performance in a UConn uniform. Stefan Castle, your NBA potential lottery pick, took just three shots, had four points, right? Up and down the lineup. Nobody showed up. And when Samson Johnson, the junior, needed to step up in Klingon's replacement, he was invisible, didn't register a block. We saw what he's incapable of doing. He's a high flyer who, who gets out in the open court like a gazelle and can you know, finish amazing highlight reel dunks. But he's limited defensively, even at six foot ten. Hassan Diera, who turned in a magnificent performance off the bench against Gonzaga, couldn't hold his own against Dawes or Richmond. Dan Hurley said afterward, and he he was incredible. You know, up and down. Other than Klingon, no one played well. Dan Hurley couldn't even look the media in the face. So here's a little bit of Dan Hurley unplugged. I'm stringing together a few sound bites here just to show you how distraught he was following this game. I mean, we were dreadful. I mean, we lost so many one-on-one -on -one battles out there. That was embarrassing. I mean, that, that was truly embarrassing. Um, such a, um, you know, just, just such a, a poor, you know, we're, we're one of the best teams in the country at, at, at guarding twos and... We just completely got out of sorts. I mean, I didn't like our energy to start the game. You know, it, it, even up 10, it was, it, it felt like uh, fool's gold. We weren't sharp. Um, we all got to own it. I mean, you know, that, that was not reminiscent of, of a top team. That was a pretty 
um, embarrassing performance for all of us. You know, myself first in line to have one of my teams um, in a conference opener go on the road and perform like this is. I'm having a hard time even looking looking you guys in the eyes when you ask me a question right now because it's it's a little feeling of shame there. But um, you know, nobody played well. I, I think literally not. Um, I coached bad, I prepared the team bad, uh, our scout prep was bad, um, and I think literally every player in the team, uh, you know, minus Donovan offensively there, had a bad performance. Um, and you have, you know, embarrassing losses like this, uh, you know, on the road when, uh, when that happens. Yeah, Hurley didn't have the answers. I'm sure that film session was, uh, was do you want to call it therapeutic? I'm sure in some ways it was not fun. I'll tell you that much. Hopefully it's an eye-opener for UConn. The question is, how are they going to move forward without Donovan Klingon? UConn didn't have enough time to figure out how to live without their big man. I mean, he's the sun. He is the center of their universe right now. On, on a roster lit, littered with oozing with NBA talent, it's hard to believe that they would react like this. But look, they're kids. They're young adults. They're human. Now that they've had a couple of days, let's see how they do without Klingon because he's doubtful for the St. John's game. Now listen, if he plays, then all bets are off because UConn will have their, their guy back. But if he doesn't play, how are they going to defend Joel Soriano? One of the best big men in the country, okay? A guy who's leading the Big East in rebounding, a guy who's third in the Big East in scoring, a guy who's in the conversation for Big East Player of the Year, a guy who is right now has done nothing to say that he's not a first-team All-Big East selection again. How are you going to defend him if you couldn't limit Jaden Bediaco? That is going to be fascinating. All right. If Donovan Klingon can't go against St. John's and is out longer, how does UConn live without him? All right. I'll tell you what. They're going to have to shoot better than four for 21 from three. I don't think you're going to see Listen, UConn is not a great shooting team to begin with, but I'm going to bet that they don't shoot four for 21 again. They've had some bad nights, but that was one of the worst. Guys are going to have to pick up their game. That's what it is if they don't have Klingon. Saul Ball, where are you? Samson Johnson. Alex Caravan, you're going to have to play like the leader of this team that I think you are. Tristan Newton, Cam Spencer has been in this moment before where he's ba had bad games and bounced back. He will bounce back. UConn, um, this, it's way too early to call this a must win against St. John's, okay? But imagine if the defending national champs, a team that some, like me, are regarding as the best team in the country heading into conference play, Imagine if they start 0-2. Imagine if they lose to St. John's two years in a row in the XL Center. 
7.30, Saturday night. Get your popcorn out. Rick Pitino, Dan Hurley, two of the very best in the Big East, two of the very best in the country, going at it. I'm really looking forward to that game. All right? You even have Naheem Aline against his former team. All right? Who got the start for St. John's. Who rewarded Rick Pitino with his best performance of the season. Rick Pitino seems to be pushing the buttons at St. John's. St. John's is coming off their best defensive performance of the season in that Fordham game and followed up with another fine defensive gem. Are they finally reading and following the scouting report like Ricky wants them to? That is one of the biggest games in the Big East this this uh, week, obviously. Can't wait for that one. UConn against Z uh, Seton Hall against Xavier. There are some... Some really intriguing matchups right before Christmas. Look, UConn was embarrassed by this. You heard it from Hurley. Couldn't look the media in the eyes. But he answered the questions. I love Dan Hurley. I would want him as my coach if I was picking coaches. I would actually pick Patino one and Hurley two. I love both those guys, what they've done, their history. I love how they, they motivate their players. I love, uh, you know, their system, the way they shoot, you know, the way they want to shoot and defend. It's another thing to get their teams to do that. But look, UConn showed weaknesses. I didn't think for a second that, Everyone from UConn would have an off night on the same night. In my prior podcast with John Fanta, I was praising UConn, how deep they were, and said, even if one or two players have an off night, there's still so much talent and so much depth on their roster that they should be able to overcome it. <laughs> what I didn't know was that everyone up and down their roster other than Donovan Klingon would have an off night. And then it would be good night for Donovan Klingon. So it was the perfect storm for Seton Hall to rise and UConn to lay an egg and have their worst performance in 11 months. Because that's what this was. They had not played this poorly in a game since January 18th against St. John's, basically 11 months to the day. So how will UConn respond to what I'm sure has been an interesting couple of days of film and practice? It's a sold-out XL Center. The Husky fans are going to be behind them. Can St. John's take that crowd out of it? Or can UConn find momentum and get that crowd into it? Will Donovan Klingon play or not? We're going to see. We're going to see how Seton Hall responds to success 
and how UConn responds to adversity. As for St. John's, can they keep it going, right? Can they get to 2-0? Can they be a surprise team and end 2023 on a high note? Dana Dingle responded with 10 points off the bench. I'm going to say Naheem Aline gets the start again. What will Joel Soriano do against UConn if UConn does not have Klingon? Mm, 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 mm. Quickly, let's go around the tri-state, ladies and gentlemen, and just talk about some notable performances. All right, I'm just going to play some bullet points here. Look out for Fairfield because the Stags are hot. They had a one and six start. They beat FDU. They trounced FDU. And they have won five in a row. Give it up for Fairfield. They were one and six. They're now six and six. They and Marist are the two hottest teams in the MAC, winning five games in a row. Good for Sacred Heart as they got back and ended a seven-game losing streak. They had a nice win over Colgate. Nice 11 a.m. start. And I know that made Anthony Latina's day. And I know that he'll have a smile on his face this Christmas because he has won one game leading into Christmas as the Pioneers snap a seven-game losing streak. So important win for Sacred Heart. Fairfield keeps it rolling. And Monmouth, last but not least, Monmouth has seven wins. Monmouth is seven and five, ladies and gentlemen. Why is that significant? Last year, the Hawks won seven games all year. At one point, they were one and 20, the worst team in Division I. They have a winning record going into conference play. No matter what happens against Oklahoma, that is going to be a brutal game on the road against one of the top teams in the Big 12. Even if Monmouth loses that game, they will be 7-6 and six going into conference play, a winning record, and that's big for mid-major teams. That is big. It is so hard for a lot of these mid-majors to go into conference play because they're playing so many teams that are equal or not better than them. There's no buy games for these teams. All right? There's no buy games because they're they're playing against mirror images of each other. And then they 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 they're the buy team, okay? They're the buy game. So they've already equaled they've already equaled their win total of last year with 7. And they will have a winning record going into play in the CAA and will be very much a factor there hoping to finish in the top four. So good for these mid-major teams. Things are starting to roll. We're getting into conference play. It's the holidays. It's Christmas. It's New Year's. There are some great games coming up. All right, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'll be back again next week following Christmas with another one as we roll into the new year. Thank you to our sponsor, NorthJerseyVipers.com. If you or your daughter or someone you know is looking to play elite high-level softball, check them out at NorthJerseyVipers.com. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing. 
Thank you for following us here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Merry, Merry Christmas. My name is Brian Dean Ellis. Enjoy the games, everyone. So long.